Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just wave to me and smile. And, and often what I do is these bright, bright lights. It takes me a few moments to kind of see all of your faces. One more time, just wave to me and smile. Say, wow. wow. Say it backwards. Wow. Say it upside down. My daughter Lila says, that's dad humor. She has heard that so many times. It does feel good to be back, to be home. Uh, my new intern, Micah, and I, we just came from Rwanda in Africa. So we've been uh, in Africa this week, and I will share a little bit of some of the testimony because I feel, for me personally speaking, it was a fresh baptism of hope. There was a fresh baptism of hope, not just about what God did there, but what I see, it, it, there's no longer an excuse anywhere else that hope does not win. And so whoever has the greatest hope will win the message. So I just, I just sense there's something in my spirit. And one of the reasons, many of you, let me just ask the question, how many of you have seen me teach the message on the three chairs? Let me see. And I think at least about half. But I also knew the other half. And part of the reason I'm putting that together, I think I've written 12 books. And out of those 12 books, all of them are connected to these three chairs. It's actually the framework, but I also believe it is very, very helpful. We saw it uh, the week before in Europe, where there was this major shift. of uh, we, we ministered to, uh, there was like 2,000 churches and ministry through these 151 apostolic marketplace and church leaders, but they got this shift of mentality and realized, like one of the leaders says, I didn't even know that chair number one existed. And then we were just uh, mainly just ministering in Catholic churches this last week. And in one of the Catholic churches, one who is the head of about 100 different priests and four different dioceses, he, he came to me and he said, I didn't even know there was a chair number one. And all of my people are either chair number three, meaning they are lost, or they are in chair number two. And I've always been in chair number two. I didn't know it existed. And then I had another friend just recently said, I build a church of 3,000 people, and we have 3,000 in discipleship, spiritual formation, but he said, I did it in chair two. And we have created a church that does not know how to change the environment. The environment is changing us. We are actually being influenced by the wall because we don't know how to influence the wall. Uh, the temperature of chair number three, the temperature of the wall is influencing us more than we are influencing the wall. So we are like 3,000 orphans hoping for visitation because we don't know how to have habitation. So I'm just going to put some language together. But before we do that, I thought about now, uh, since the school is not going to go, we have a couple of tools that just for some of us as part of the family, I think it would add value to us. And it was actually, it, it's hard for me when I start crying, but this week uh, I was just online and somebody was just doing an interview with me about this new master class or this new school we're doing online, starting actually tomorrow. We have two journey. One of them is pretty much to get people out of chair two into chair one and give them the super glue. <laughs> and for the rest of you, you will find out in a few moments what that means. So the super glue that this becomes the normal Christian life, which is Jesus. And anything that is not Jesus is actually abnormal. And sometimes we've been abnormal for so long that when we see the normal, we think it is abnormal. So uh, we're putting together this, but as I was just there interviewing, I had struggled a little bit with chair two this week. So I was just kind of a little drained. Uh, and as soon as I landed from Rwanda, some of you know there's 33 million, and remember to pray for Pakistan. But as soon as we landed, the crisis of the floods in Pakistan, and 33 million people are suffering. So it was night and day and night and day, there was just calls for Muslim imams and leaders and people were dying, or brothers and sisters was dying. So I've been kind of in this whole crisis mode. And then our dog, Luke, died. And that was kind of a subtle thing. So we just went through. So there was about a dozen different things that affects you when your emotional tank is low. 
So sometimes we have to be aware of, because this one of the weapons of the enemy, he's trying to wear you out. And what he's doing, and even when you are in chair number one, doing God's work, God's way, that we're going to learn about. So he's just using the weapon of fatigue, and then when fatigue comes in, he pushes the button of fear. And then you get in the wrong chair. And now you do not see the wall the way it is, you see the wall the way you are. But you're not aware what lens is, because when I am in chair two, I see how big Goliath is, while when I'm in chair number one, I see how big God is. But you didn't... You didn't know, yeah, we can give Jesus a good hand. It was somebody to. So I'm putting that together. So that was a little bit of my story. So I had a couple of things. And so I was, so so we're just coming into the office. And Luke had just died. And we were dealing with all these different issues. And I knew I needed to be in chair number one. Because I'm going to tell these people about this online, what we're going to start. And there was somebody, first was Patricia King that interviewed me, and then was another friend named Ruth, and she was interviewing me, and suddenly as she's interviewing me, I just felt the Father just invited me back into the resting place in chair number one. So I'm sitting on the Zoom, and I'm just sitting there, and in a moment as we were just talking, and the presence is just coming, because when you're in chair number one, you are resting, and when you're resting, you're receiving, and what you receive is what you become, and what you become is what you release. I don't know if you got that. But let me say, so when you are in chair number one, it's called the hard work of rest. And rest becomes your weapon of warfare. And out of rest, you're wearing the enemy out. So everything in the demonic world is restless in nature. Let me say that everything in the demonic realm is restless in nature. I could describe it theologically, but I'm just warming myself up for video. And the creative miracle, we have this watch here that I like to kick out today, but anyway. But then I get in turn over two, so I'm not going to do that. But I'm sensitive because when Lucifer left heaven with one third of fallen angels, they are orphans. They no longer had a home. And the biggest thing of the restlessness, you can have a house and still be restless. But when you have a home, a place of security, a place of love, a place of value, a place of affirmation, when you are rooted and grounded in love, hey, when you are rooted and grounded in love, when you are rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love, and you know how high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for you. And be careful, Battle Atlanta, this kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. <laughs> and you can become a joyful Christian. So this whole system, and I'm, I'm going to put a little bit of framework together. But anyway, let's, we can just watch this video. As I described that, the presence just came into my office. And I've had a presence a lot of times lately. We had it in Rwanda. The whole Catholic church was filled with a presence. The environment changed. Healings was taking place. Since 1994 of trauma, I just shifted. And you're going to see a couple of pictures. We have seen it all over Europe in this season. We saw it in the Middle East. We saw it in the mosques. We saw. So I've seen the manifest presence. But it's been a while since I've experienced the glory. And I just talked to a friend, Mahesh Shavda, that I've not talked to in a while, the day before, and just started this is because Mahesh is a friend that loves the steward in the glory. So anyway, so certainly from the presence, I'm there online, but in the next moment, the, the one that is interviewing, they're getting wrecked. And from 12 different countries on Zoom, they're getting wrecked. And then there's this silence, and nobody can talk for the next 10 minutes on Zoom. And in 12 nations, rooms are just being filled up. Because whatever overwhelms you shapes you. So the environment starts to change. When this environment starts to change, there is an environment in changes, and you're not limited. So for two hours, the staff knows a mic, and then we, I came in. I, mean, I was trying to do the next meeting, but I just tried several times to get up, but it was about 40 minutes, I couldn't move an inch. I sat in my chair, I cannot move at all. It's just the glute, the glory is there. And I still remember it took me back to the moment in chair number one when we were in Huntsville, Alabama. I was driving from the airport and the glory was coming into my car and guy called Christopher Olsen, I was on the phone call. I'm in chair one in this glory realm. 
And then suddenly the presence hit him over the phone. He goes into the staff, the presence hit him and the whole staff. And then everybody in the staff meeting in Iowa, Ankeny, Iowa, the glory, he filled that room with all the staff. They were out for the next two hours. You didn't have to announce when we came to church. That night when we were coming to church, at, Hot, at that time it was called Heartland Assembly of God. There was a long line of people just waiting to come in. There was such an expectation. And just I hold up my phone, one person in the middle of the room says, my father, my father is in Arkansas. He got Alzheimer. And at that moment he was in the glory realm. The glory hit his father and Alzheimer. He got healed from Alzheimer. And another friend of mine was on the phone. They said, hey, they're doing a meeting in Wisconsin and 700 people. The presence just hit. 700 people is out in the spirit over the phone. So I've seen these things. I've seen the mosque being filled up while I'm in the Philippines and the mosque is filled up in the Middle East and the glory just hitting them. I've had these experiences, but it's been rare and it's been a long time since the weightiness of his glory. So... Anyway, I, it messes with you. It, it creates something in your palace. You're not satisfied with anything else. So something started this week, and it started a stir. So I think I maybe have to show the video in the end, but let me go for our technology people, a couple of testimony from Rwanda. Uh, part of our assignment in Rwanda, we actually went there because a man named, and you can look him up, his name is Father Ubalt. Father Ubalt was a Catholic priest in 1994 when the genocide was taking place. I was actually in Africa in 94, and I still remember the horrific genocide. Many of us remember, started in April. But how could this evil take place where in 100 days, Bill Clinton said it's the biggest regret he have had, but over 1.1 million people were just slaughtered in 100 days, and it was a genocide. Neighbors turned against neighbor. It was an incredible, but we learned the history. How could it lead up to this evil where you were just chop each other up in the most horrific way. It was, so I don't want to show those pictures, but one of those places when we went through the genocide memorial, uh, and I wanted just to show that picture from 1994, but there was the famous, the oldest Catholic church in Kigali, the capital city, this Father Ubalt. They filled up this Catholic church in 1994. I'm not going to show you the horrific picture, but even the priest was in on that. And as soon as people trying to escape for their life, they slaughter all of them in the church. So when Micah, my new intern, we came to that place, I'm just putting this into perspective, because Father Ubalt in 1994, they killed 34 of all his family members of this priest. There's only him and his sister that survived. So this Catholic priest was so broken, but then God started to take him to a chair number one experience where he experienced the love and forgiveness. So eventually when they trial, they found a murderer of this family. He forgave and he loved the murderer. But love looked like something. He adopted all the children when he got a life sentence. So this Catholic priest adopted the children and the family of the one that had slaughtered all of his family. So Father Uba became famous. He wrote a book on forgiveness, became a minister of reconciliation. He went into the prison with the prisoners and ended up with his message, and he started coming in. But he was hungry for more, and this Catholic priest eventually ended up in the United States. But he traveled all over. He's famous. Everyone in Rwanda will know Father Uba the name. So when we were there, and I met him five, six years ago. Well, I wouldn't know who he is, but he came to the voice of the apostle, and he loved listening to Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, myself, and other people. So for five years, he always said, you need to come to Rwanda. And then one moment, I still remember, nine, uh, 2019, he was on the floor having a baptism of love experience of Papa's love. Just waves and waves of liquid love touched that Catholic priest. And he stood up and he said, you need to come to Rwanda. You need to come to Rwanda. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. We sometimes, uh, we pray about it. And just it's just one out of 3,000 people in a meeting. So you're just like, I didn't know who he was and the details. But then in, uh, during the COVID in the middle of the COVID, he came again and just grabbed me. And I made a covenant. I made a promise. I said, I promise you, I, as soon as this is over, we're going to go to Rwanda. Two weeks after the voice of the apostle, he ended up with COVID. And then he died a couple of months later of COVID in the States. 
So we went there with an assignment to be able to, all those things that was on the heart of Father Uba is to come and bring this ministry of reconciliation to represent God before people and people before God, to release the baptism of love and sweet because there's a whole nation that has been raped, that has been traumatized. You couldn't meet one single person that has not been affected by this genocide. There's people that's just been so traumatized and the Catholic Church was one of the major because 60% was Catholic. So we ended up on a mission. So anyway, I'm just showing that because this is an example. So here I am in the same church, in the Catholic Church, in Kigali, and just ministering, and eventually after building the trust of the people, when I walked, when I stood in the back of the church, mass was going on, and I knew in a few hours I'm going to go in and minister in this church, where all the slaughter was taking place. So I've been in the genocide memorial, but then you're coming in, and you're just horrified what an evil that has taken place. But then Eventually, let's just watch this next thing. The atmosphere again changed. Love comes in. And now this place just starts to get filled and filled and filled. The Catholic priests, the nuns, the, and the atmosphere is changing. Because again, heaven is just coming in and just change the environment in this Catholic church. And now let's just show to the end. And 24 hours after that, let's see the one little video. On. This is in the Catholic Church. The explosion of joy. So you have over 30 years of trauma, horrific evil, darkness, light comes in, love comes in, fear moves out, major healing, the countenance. And we went all over the nation. This is one of our team members that was with us on the team. So I thought, okay, anyway, we can... Uh, I wanted to put, because sometimes to get the perspective that you're coming into a setting that has been traumatized for so long. And I'm just going to provide some language for us today. So I have these three chairs that I think is going to be helpful for the Bethel family. I did this in the same church and everywhere where we went. And actually the last, uh, I didn't even think about it, the last one we were in this Jesuit priest place where we had all these uh, priests and nuns and and then suddenly out of nowhere, I just realized the Holy Spirit prompted me and says, give them a salvation message. I'm thinking, I'm with all these leaders. And 30 priests and nuns and Catholic leaders got saved. <laughs> Gloriously saved. And then 99, 99.9% of all of them had encountered, they realized I've been in chair too. I've been living for love because I didn't know how to live from love. So this is chair number one. Which chair is this? Chair number one. Okay, let's try that again, family. <laughs> you're a little bit slower than Rwanda, but I, I forgive you. You're my family. <laughs> this is chair number one. Which chair is this? Chair number one. This is chair number two. Which chair is this? Chair number two. And this is chair number three. Which chair is this? I think even back in the days when you were at Bethel School, I know when Scott Thompson was in school, I actually taught this at Bethel School in Reading. Chair number one is all about the kingdom of God. Say kingdom of God. Kingdom. Chair number two is about the kingdom of self. Say kingdom of self. Kingdom. And chair number three is about the kingdom of the world. Say kingdom of the world. I asked Micah two minutes ago, and says, Micah, look it up. But how many people live in the world right now? And we just passed the eight billion mark. There's 8 billion people in this world. And there's over 6 million in the larger Atlanta. 330 some million in America. And all people live their life either in chair number one, chair number two, or chair number three. If you are married, you either have a chair number one marriage, chair number two, or chair number three. If we are a church, we're either chair number one church, chair number two, or chair number three. If you run a business, you're either running a chair number one business, chair number two, or chair number three. And we can look at every aspect of life. Chair number one, and I'm just going to be very, just slowing this down for a few moments while the clock is ticking. I wrote the book, and I want to give that away to somebody called Call to Rain, which is a whole book just about getting in chair number one. Healing the orphan spirit is just how to get you out of chair number two. Baptism of one is to seal you into chair number one. The giant slayers from chair number one, how do you kill giants in chair number three in the wall? Let me give that to you, Pastor Mike. If you have it, give it to somebody because you're an example of chair number one. So the people in chair number one, yeah, let's give Jesus a good hand. <laughs> chair number one is all about the spirit-filled life. Say spirit-filled life. Spirit 
The Bible says, walk in the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. The Bible says those who are led by the spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. When you are in Chernobyl 1, the fruit of the spirit. So if I see you in traffic, and I hunk at you, if there's only love and joy and peace and patience come out of you, I know you are in Chernobyl 1. But if you are coming, who was that? I know you're in chair number two. <laughs> and you're ready for an upgrade. An upgrade in patience, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So when you are in chair number one, the supernatural is actually what's natural. When you're in chair number one, you're hearing his voice. You're prophetic. You're seeing his face, and the way you see everything else changes. Because when you see who he is, you can see who you are. And when you see who you are, you can see who other people are. And you don't treat people based upon their history, but their destiny. So when you see the terrorist Saul, you see the Apostle Paul. Because love is patient, love is kind, love. So it's a different way, because when you're in chair number one, you're rooted and grounded in love. Meaning your whole root system and your foundation go all the way back to love. That's who you were, even before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Even before the foundation of the world, I knew you. Who did he know before the foundation of the world, before creation? Who did he know? Who are you? Identity, identity. Who are you? Who were you with him in the beginning? Who were you part of the family of heaven? Where you were predestined in love, chosen and blameless, that's you. Congratulations. What sin made you fall short of glory, but what Jesus came was to restore you back again to glory because you are glorious. So if you're going to go from glory to glory, the starting point has to be glory, not sin. I don't know if you see the chairs. I'm going to just... The kingdom is not about eating or drinking, channel number two, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. So when you're in the spirit, his righteousness, his peace, and his joy is the evidence. Because in the kingdom, you're in the spirit. And when you're in the spirit, what you saw in the video, the supernatural is natural. His presence changes everything. So when I'm in this chair, I'm being so overwhelmed by him that nothing else can overwhelm me. Because I'm at rest. Where do I find my rest? In my identity. Where do I find my identity? In who I am and whose I am. Because my identity is rooted in that I'm a son. I'm a beloved son. My papa loves me. He likes me. He delights in me. I am his happy thought. He is for me. He is not against me. And I'm going to kind of put a little framework in the world because the reality for most of us is that we visit Chernobyl 1 and we have some Chernobyl 1 worship and it's amazing. And the dove comes down and I love when the dove is there. Because when I am resting, I'm becoming a resting place for the dove. But when I'm in Chernobyl 2, pigeons, pigeon religion. It's not that God doesn't speak when you are in chair number two, but when God speaks, it has to filter its way to your soul. So when you, are in chair, in, when you are in chair number one, it is spirit, soul, body, and there is life flowing out of you. Because wherever the river is, there is life. The ones that is thirsty come and drink, and rivers, rivers starts to flow in chair one. And wherever the river goes, there is healing and there is life. But when you are in chair number two, it's not that God doesn't speak, but it has to filter its way to your soul to touch your spirit. So when I'm in chair number two, I don't know, is this God, or is this the devil, or is this myself? And remember, deception is very deceiving. And the root system in this chair is fear. If you go all the way back, it's fear-based and anxiety and is restless. And fear has some twins, shame and guilt. So what the enemy is doing, all he needs to do is to get you out of chair number one, into chair number two, what he did or she did or... 
The reason I feel this way is... Excuse me, but how can you hurt a dead person? I died to Christ, and it is no longer I who live. How can you humiliate somebody that is humble? Then humiliate it the way you talk to me. <laughs> I just had it. <laughs> I was sitting with the bishop <laughs> in a Catholic church and a lady that's organizing events sitting in the cross. And I said, I'm talking to the bishop, very nice. And it was like an honor for us to sit with this bishop for this region. And I'm just saying something for Rwanda. And she said, you say Uganda. I said, no, I said Rwanda. You said Uganda. No, I said Rwanda. And everybody else on it didn't know, you said Rwanda. But at that moment, do I get a super green chair too? Got offended. It's her fault that she'd better ask forgiveness. Come on, people. Because we're wondering why the majority of America, the majority of Atlanta, the majority of the world, why 1.6 billion Muslims, a billion and 50 million Hindus, why 600 million Buddhists, why does the world right here not believe that God looks just like Jesus? Because we've had 93% of the believers that is showing a world a God that does not look like Jesus. So here, it is this us against them. In chair number two, it is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I choose which one is the good side and which one is the evil side. Including politics, including masks, including. The problem is, it's the wrong tree. And then we have prophecies from this place. So we have lions that don't have the lamb's heart. And when they roar, people scatter and they don't gather because it doesn't come from the lamb's heart. Because Jesus is the lamb. And he is the lion. But the identity is in the lamb so that the authority can be in the lion. And when we roar, people will be unified and gather, not scatter. Because you have authority over what you weep over, but you also have authority where you love. Don't try to reach this world if you don't love this world. Because God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. Are you guys okay if I go eight minutes and 12 seconds over today? <laughs> it is just impossible to take 36 hours and join the school, go on a journey. But I want us to see, because there's something in my message today that I feel that I'm going to also be personal. But we are living right now in the second biggest change in the world's history. There's 10 primary big changes. We're living in what we also call a gray zone. There's a sunset of something and there's a sunrise of something, but you're living right between yeah. in these prophetic times. You are no longer who you used to be, but you have not yet become what you're supposed to become. Yeah. We, we are experiencing a Friday moment, but this long Saturday before Sunday is coming, it's hard to navigate. So in the middle of this tension, you have to live with this tension intentionally. So the primary thing is that I'm saying this wall is being shook right now. And this wall is being shook. But this place here is unshakable. So if you're feeling like I was just sharing this with a core group of leaders in Europe. And two ladies afterwards felt this condemnation. Not from me. They felt from the Holy Spirit. So two older ladies, one of them, she said, me and my husband, we've been serving faithfully in Holland and Belgium and planting churches and even doing devotion. But all we have done is from chair two. We did this for God because we didn't know how to do it from God. And I just, even our devotion, even when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it is our Father who art in heaven instead of the relationship with my Papa, your Papa, our Father. So we're not seeing his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven because we do it out of routine. And I said, congratulations. And she looked at me strange. She felt condemnation while Jesus was giving her an invitation. He says, come 
come, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Your burden is heavy, but my burden is heavy. Excuse me, your burden is heavy, my, my burden is easy, and my yoke is light. Learn from me. It's the only time in scriptures where he's teaching you how to learn from his heart. Learn it a heart journey because you guard your heart because all issues of life flow from there. Learn from me because I'm low and meek or humble in heart, and I will give you rest for your soul. It's a different way of living and loving. So every time you are in chair number two, where the enemy were coming in with shame and tell you who you are not, Papa, God would always remind you who you are. And one of the biggest weapons of the enemy, when you are in chair two, and you will be there. I'm not trying to prophesy something bad, but even Blake has been in chair number two sometimes. <laughs> but then he got saved, of course, and I'm just joking. <laughs> So we, we're ending up, so here's kind of a, my story that I just, some of you know that we went there, I, I was visiting the Afghan, Pakistan, had a, some amazing assignment, but also some things that I don't talk about public, but I was attacked by a group because they smuggled me out, uh, it was right down the Afghan border, and so I had a physical attack, so I had some PTSD, so I came home. You were not aware of it when I was here, so I went again, got my another round. I think it's my 12th time that I've been treated for PTSD. Uh, so, but when that happens, because you have fight flight, it's a chair two thing. So you realize when some of that is there, and it's not. Uh, there's, there's often there's many times that you can end up in chair two, and it's not directly your fault. Like we just met these women that had been raped in the most brutal way, but also the way they raped in Rwanda, make sure the people that had AIDS raped them. So it was done horrifically. When you're standing with them to bring them into a freedom and into chair number one, because chair number one is a place of freedom. And whom the sun set free is free indeed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. So all these bondage where the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. So I just was realizing that I had this. And if you were to ask me the question, you're saying, who is your hero? In the Old Testament, it would have been David. In the New Testament, anyone that has been around me know that I love John. I love the book of John, the epistles of John. I love John. And the reason I love John so much, John is the person that I would like to be like. It's just one of those I admire because there was crowds around Jesus. And today there's crowds around Jesus here. Then there was 72. They got an assignment, signs, wonders, and miracles. And I remember when Randy Clark prayed for me June 6, 1995. And it was not just being among the crowd, but I was also anointed to go with signs, wonders, and miracles. Then I remember the baptism of love. Whoa. One circle closer when I got to meet the Father. I knew Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I got to meet Papa God, and he became my Father. I got to experience what the 12 got to experience, the covenantal element, the community. The... But among the 12, he had the three. Do you remember who those are? Peter. Okay, let's try that one more time, family. <laughs> who was the three that got to experience a mountain transfiguration? Ah, uh, very good. So among the 12, three got to have things with Jesus that the 12 didn't, that 72 didn't, that the crowds didn't do. But then among those three, and I could go into the four or five things, the three got to experience with Jesus that the 12. But among those, there was that one John. <laughs> and I love John because John was such a chair two guy when he started out. I mean, let's get fire from heaven to destroy the ones that don't receive you, Jesus. Chair two. <laughs> and we have some chair two believers during this whole COVID season I've seen. <laughs> lions without the lamb. But here Jesus was a lion that became a lamb. So we are lamb that can become lions. He started out with all authority as a lion. The king of kings and a lord of lords. But he humbled himself. And he came down to this earth. And it is upon the throne and the lamb. And in the book of Revelation, he is 24 times lamb and only one time lion. The future Jesus. Don't underemphasize the lamb. 
So John went through this process. Every one of those that was close to him started experiencing how much Jesus loved them. They were around. And then you get to John 13, verse 34 to 35, where he says, I knew this new commandment I give you. Love, love, as I have loved you, Stephen. He didn't say just love one another, but as he has loved you. Washing the feet of Judas, Democrats, Republic, washing the feet of whatever you. I don't know if you're getting it, but as I have loved you, Beto family, love one another. And that's how the war, that's how Atlanta, that's how Tyrone, that's how they're going to see who we are because we have learned how to love that way. But then he says, some of you are about to betray me. Some of you are going to get into a chair too, and some of you are going to have some issue. And Peter's like, not me. But if you ask Leif, honestly speaking, who is the character that people have always associated you with? Peter. I don't know what it is about Peter, but I think that when I'm looking in the mirror and see that Peter thing, I've struggled with Peter because I struggled with me. And there's these things about Peter in the moment. I mean, chair one, it doesn't matter if everybody else here at Bethel Atlanta, I will never. And then I'm sitting there whining instead of shining. So fasten your seatbelt for very short. So I got home, battlefield treated, the PTSD, and then there were some other things, and this, other things, and other things, and it just added, and then eventually I'm sitting there. It's a Friday moment. I'm sitting at home. This is just less than two months ago. I'm sitting at home, and I shared this with a leadership. They came to the office, and I have a little super gluing chair, too. I can't see his face. I can't hear his voice. It's not that he's not speaking. I just can't hear it clearly can't feel that love because the trauma, I feel this whole five flight and there's so much storms that is going on and I have storm on the inside. How can I deal with the storms that is on the outside? Chair two. So in the middle of it, let's open up our Bibles and I will eventually land this. For everyone that is online, just uh, thank you that you will have an upgrade in patience today. John chapter 21. So I'm sitting there with Jesus, and then in a moment in chair two, this is hard for me without even crying because it's personal. It's like I told you about the glory encounter I just had. This is what leads up to it. Verse 15. And when they had eaten breakfast, say breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, oh, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said, Simon, second time, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know, you know that I love you. He said to him, well, tend to my sheep. The third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, say what, Lord? Lord. You know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked wherever you wished. Little chair too. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you, and you will, and he will carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke to signify by what a debt he will glorify God. Let me very quickly put this into perspective. So I'm sitting there in my room at my home, and I have that voice, Leif, do you love me? Do you love me? And I'm like, and the scriptures just came alive. And I'm like, you know that I love you. I just received the Ambassador of Love, International Peace Award by the President of Pakistan. Got it right here. I'm like, giving up everything. I'm, I'm kissed my wife and kids goodbye. I left everything over and over again. I got out of the boat, walked on water, left everything for you. Don't you know that I love you? <laughs> well, feed my lambs. That's immature believers that criticize on the internet. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> lambs are... <laughs> How do you respond to those small things? No. 
Then the second, do you love me? Again, you try to explain to him the best that you can and the best of your ability. And I'm asking you the same question. Do you love him more than anything else? As he have loved you, Yes, you may be been on a journey with Jesus where you'll learn how much he loves you. I've had a baptism of love. I wrote a book on the baptism of love. I just came out with a new book called The Love Awakening that I will just send in. Don't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> wrote a book about this next love awakening. It's going to sweep across the world, bringing in a billion. I mean, uh, this thing is clear. But by the third time. But I want you to capture this. The verses before and just a couple of things and we are about to pray. Are you guys Okay. So, because I feel this is a key now for us to get back to our first love. I call this message Baptism of Love 2.0. And the reason I bring it at the first, the 1.0 version is when you're experiencing the perfect love of God going into the deepest area in your life and you become set free from yourself. You have an encounter with a love, immersed in his love. You get rooted and grounded and you're experiencing that. Just like Jesus did before he did anything. He was baptized in water, heaven opened up, the dove came down, baptized in the Spirit, and then he was affirmed by his Father that this is my beloved Son, whom I love and whom I am well pleased. The very pleasure of the Father, immersed in that love, 1.0. And all the disciples had experienced how much Jesus loved them. But there was something John captured eventually that was missing for Peter, that is setting him up. And the other thing I would call this message is the tale of two fires. But the story right before is that this is, Jesus has appeared to them three times. We have had appearances of Jesus. We have prophecies. All these years I've been with my Bethel family. I've had all these different things with Jesus, including Rwanda, including everything that I've had in Pakistan right before. Europe. And I could just go on and on and on. Despite of all of those different things, you read the verses in the end of chapter 20. Again, Jesus, right in the front of them, performed all these amazing signs, wonders, and miracles. And he had appeared before them three times he is alive. And still these guys, Peter goes back to fishing again. And all these guys are leaving chair one and getting back into chair two. 70% of ministers, if money was not an issue, they would go back and finding another way of fishing. There's all these people, you're trying to go back to something was before that was familiar. But as they're fishing all night, it's not working any longer. You cannot go back any longer. You can't find something that is familiar any longer. And it's not working. And you're fishing all night. There's no longer productivity. And all night they're coming there. The hands are callous because you're not used to fishing. Because the last three years you wanted to be in chair one. And Jesus told you you're going to be in chair one. And eventually it was going to affect the chair three. We have those words, but you have to meet this fire before you're ready for the Pentecost fire. And then they go fishing again, and eventually they are so exhausted and tired, the sun is about to come up, and there's this guy. Hey, boys, hey, children, did you get any fish? This just gets you even worse into chair two. <laughs> I'm a fisherman. I worked all night, didn't get anything. How, how was the evangelism? How's the school stuff going? <laughs> how many students? <laughs> Whatever. Oh, God. And we have not yet seen what is coming. But I want you to see there was three, do you love me? But as they did, this voice says, hey, and I want some of you even to listen to this voice that whispered to you in the middle of this season, that you will listen to that voice because he's going to show you a different way of doing it. But when was the last time that that voice spoke? When was the last time he said, Lord, it was the last time of fishing? That's when he left his wife. That's when he left the fishing and he became a chair number one fisherman. That's when he surrendered everything for Jesus and called him Lord. But he still got back into chair two. And that wall was not being impacted. I don't know if you got it. Okay. Five minutes. But I am landing it. But I feel there's something urgent for us and for me. This is me speaking to me, but I shared just have an overflow to us. Do you love me? 
three times do you love me? But do you see when they're coming in, 153 fish bigger than they can imagine. They're coming in, and dear, guess what it is? There is this guy standing there, but suddenly it is John that recognizes his voice. Even when you can't see him, can you recognize his voice? Including when he was a ghost on water, do you recognize his voice so that you can step out of the boat? Because the way he's showing up is not the way he did in the previous season. And John said, hey, it is the Lord. He recognized that voice. So in the middle of that, eventually they're coming in and Jesus is there. And there's this coal of fire. And this day in my bedroom, I saw the coal of fire. What is that coal of fire? When was the last time? It was when they're coming to get Jesus. His intention was very good. His intention, I'm going to be in chair one. I'm going to stand up for Jesus no matter what is happening in America. What's happening during COVID? What's happening in the middle of the chaos? I'm going to be light in the middle of the darkness. I'm going to rise and shine for his light has come. I'm going to reign in life together with him. But something happens in our life that the fatigue factor of the battle of a Thursday and then Friday come and then the long Sunday and there Sunday and wow and before you know you're going to go back to fishing again and what happened that very day what he didn't know and he didn't know the root of those very things that had to be dealt with and I didn't know that I had some roots that needed to be dealt with that day And that is when you're going and looking at that fire that took him back. And that's when he came to the outer court. They're pulling Jesus into this room and there's this courtyard. John goes on the inside. He knew the person and said, he is with me. Peter comes in and he's going to warm himself up on this fire. And when he comes, he sees this coal of fire and he places. And I just want to challenge our family. In this season, the enemy is going to build up all those different fires where you're going to try to warm yourself. And when your emotional tank is low at that moment is when the enemy is coming in. And the three things that enter into him when three times the thing that he would never do, he did. And he denied. And then eventually, three times, do you love me? Three times deny, shame, fear, guilt. What did he do? He didn't condemn him for what happened there. He just reminded him, hey, let me tell you who you are. From the first moment I saw you, when you left everything to follow me, I saw somebody, I saw a rock, I saw the future you. Somebody's going to be crucified. And even didn't feel worthy according to some history, you will be crucified upside down. What I saw about you, there was something unique. It is upon this identity, upon this rock, I'm going to build a church. The gates of hell will not prevail here. Let me tell you something about you. Let me tell you something about you, Mike. Let me tell you something about you, Justin. Let me tell you about something about you, Lauren, about Bethel Atlanta. Let me say something about you. You may be being here, but that's not who you are. So he describes to him the destiny. This is who you are. I've always seen it, but you have not seen you the way that I see you. And you have not yet learned how to love you the way that I love you. You know how much I love you, but you don't love you the way that I love you. And at this moment, that love goes in and heals those different areas, sets them up for the Pentecost. And by Acts 19, 10, everyone had heard the gospel. Everyone in Asia. The revival of Pentecost could be entrusted because this fire set them up for the next fire. Let's stand to our feet. Got a little quiet in here. Are you guys okay? I know I got a little intense here. But I feel there is a fire. Even when he started to show up in my office again, I feel there's an invitation for us as a family. I cannot be satisfied just where being on my journey there. Because what I'm realizing, how many here have experienced chair number two? Just wave to me. There's moments in our life we go in this chair number two and we're being overwhelmed by what's happening in this world. Why he's inviting, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. But I felt today, and I know the prophetic team, hopefully they even would come here, and that's part of our prophetic team. From a chair number one, prophets will not see the mud in your life, will we color the destiny over you. Well, there's maybe fear in your life, but that's not what I see. I see that perfect love will cast out fear, and you're going to be an ambassador of love. That's going to be a change agent. Just hold out your hands, and holy, 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 holy spirit. For this holy, holy, holy moment. Holy, holy, holy spirit. And the question is, do you 
love me. Yes, you know, I mean, don't you see, I've been here, I've been faithful, I've been. Do you love me? The result of those three love statements, I flew to Norway when we were there, and I sat down with a guy that, first time in over 22 years, that drove me into the mountain wall. When my back got broken and every, my life was changed, I sat down with him. I had forgiven before and everything else. But when I was sitting alone with Jesus that day, he brought up that incident because that guy had never come to me and recognized. So. But that's not my issue. What does love look like? So, Father, I just release this is the baptism of love 2.0 today. That you will look in the mirror and you will love you the way that he loves you. Not just as I have loved you, we are going to love one another. And the people around us are going to see who he is. But we cannot do that until we have received so that we can become and we can release that love. I've released that in Jesus' name. And if you want ministry time, I know the ministry team is going to be here. So as we're making this, just lift up your hands like this and a surrender. And just allowing that love test to go throughout this week. Oh, I'm just asking that that love test is going to take us back. That fire that you have this breakfast with Jesus on the beach. And having this conversation with Jesus. And allowing him just to go in and removing away any shame, any fear, any, anything from your past that is in there. Allow his love to go in. But also what his love is doing is showing you the future of you. And the future of the things to come over your life. The things that he has always believed about you. The things that he's always loved about you. Father, I just thank you, Holy, Holy Spirit, for the divine exchange and for that love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So powerful. Would you guys give it up for life? Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.